Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in my guest, Kate Kordsmeyer. A quick background on Kate before we jump into the episode. She is the founder and CEO of the holistic wellness blog, Root & Rebel, creator of the digital course, The Six Figure Blog Academy, and host of the podcast, Success With Soul. She is a writer, educator, and creative entrepreneur and lives in Atlanta with her husband, Matt, two kids, Jackson and Gemma, and three dogs, Scout, Boo, and Finch. She left her flourishing freelance writing career. Her byline has appeared in over 125 magazines to start the blog, Root and Rebel, which became a multi-six-figure business. She now teaches other heart-centered online entrepreneurs how to monetize their blog or online business with sustainable tactics. No burning out, no selling your soul. Through two courses, the Six Figure Blog Academy and 21 Days to Impact. She is also the host of the Success with Soul podcast and the group coaching program, the Success with Soul Incubator. I had just an incredible conversation with Kate. We went into a lot of different areas and explored a lot of different realms of the getting started journey. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. Without further ado, please welcome in Kate Kordsmeyer. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you on. I, uh, you know, when I originally reached out, I got to spend a while now, months, is I came across your blog. I was, I'm big into uh, like health and wellness and obviously trying to optimize my body and, and, you know, for longevity and all that stuff. And I came across, I don't remember if it was for a recipe or something, but I came across your blog and I was like, as I was reading through, and I, I think I just done this from doing the podcast for like four years is like, I start researching like, oh, who's this person? What do they do? How, how did they come to this? And I saw the transition you made in your life and all of this stuff. I'm like, man, this is a perfect, just get started podcast guest. Like this, this is someone that's, that's kind of proven, um, you know, you put in the hard work and, uh, and you can get to kind of, you know, happiness and where you want to go. So mm-hmm. with all of that, I wanted to start, if I can, is maybe get a little bit of background for you. You know, one of the things I always like to ask to start out on the, the podcast, because we all go through these different points in life where generally when we start in life or are growing up, it's not what we're doing today. Um, so can you share maybe a turning point or two that that really is vivid of how you got in this new path that started many years back versus where you were going to go, maybe from childhood yeah. or adolescence or whatever? Yes. Well, I wanted to be an actor, so that clearly didn't happen. (laughs) Um, But I always actually wanted to be a writer also. And so, um, and I feel like that's kind of what I do now, but it's taken on such a different form. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a little different, but yeah. So um, let's see, when I graduated, I went to journalism school and graduated and thought like I was going to get a job working at, you know, a big glossy magazine in New York. And it wasn't really happening. And, um, and so I ended up getting a copywriting job at a 
fashion retailer. And I was super excited about that too. I was like, okay, well, this seems like the next best thing. And um, I thought it was going to be great. And I lasted for four months before I was like, I have to get out of here. I you know, I'll die in this cube. It's terrible. And, um, so I quit and started doing freelance journalism. And I thought when I was doing that, I would think to myself, like, if I could just do this forever, this is my total dream job. But like anything after, you know, five, 10 years of doing something like it loses some of its glamour, it loses, you know, some of its appeal and, I just was looking for something a little different. And I actually was reading this post, uh, this email. I was looking for a different email in my inbox this morning that was I sent out years ago. And I came across this one that I had actually sent to my friends and family when I launched my blog. And I was like, oh, this will be funny to read what I said. And I was saying like, for years, I've been so annoyed that as a journalist, everybody always thought I was a blogger. And I was always so like, oh, I'm not a blogger. I'm an actual journalist. And I was like, but I'm crossing over to the dark side and starting a blog finally. And um, yeah, so I did that. And I really enjoyed that process. And it was um, in a lot of ways, much better than being a journalist because I didn't have to report to other editors and advertisers. And I got to finally write about like what I wanted to write about. And I felt like I had much more creative control and, um, and How did you, uh, can, can I, if you don't mind, I, I yeah. want to ask there, cause I want to make sure I, I don't forget to ask this. How did you get over one of the big things we talk about a lot in the podcast is around the belief systems. We grew up with the, you know, so you mentioned it's like blogger, Whew, I'm not a blogger. Like I'm, I'm a professional journalist and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. How did you get over that mindset change of like, no, this is okay to go to that direction because your identity was probably as a, a writer or a journalist, yeah. not a blogger and, and doing what you're doing now. So can you share a little bit about maybe the, the mental uh, jumping jacks you had to do yeah. to, you know, kind of get over Yeah, such a good question. I honestly, um, it was really tough. And when I think about it, I feel like I've had so many mindset issues that I've had to get get past um, at every stage, including this one, because I've always done things that people don't understand what it means because they're not like regular jobs. Like when I was a journalist, I felt like, oh my gosh, I am this, you know, professional, successful journalist. But when people would say, oh, who do you work for? And my answer was, well, I'm freelance. I write for hundreds of different magazines. People would kind of go like, okay, like, so you're unemployed or like, you know, they, they didn't take that seriously. So I've always felt like I've not been taken seriously. And it's been like a common theme, I think throughout my career. And, but I had that, that blogging stigma. And I think because I was a food writer. And so I wrote about restaurants a lot Mm -hmm. and chef profiles and recipes and things like that. And when food bloggers started becoming a thing in the restaurant space, they were just people who were trying to get a free meal. Mm -hmm. And we kind of had this, you know, the journalists that I was friends with always kind of made fun of the bloggers because it was like, you're just trying to get free food. This is not a real career, you know, and um, you don't know anything about food and we we were total snobs about it. And um, the way I got over it was that I started reading blogs just as a consumer. And I was there, I found blogs that I actually did enjoy. And it was like, oh, those were just a couple bad apples that doesn't represent the whole of blogging. Um, And then on top of that, 
I started reading bloggers income reports and I saw these bloggers that were making 30, $50,000 a month from their food blogs. And I certainly wasn't making that as a journalist. So that definitely got my ears like perked up. I'm like, huh, maybe this blogging thing isn't as bad as I thought it was. And so, um, seeing real people who are doing it in a way that was like in integrity with what I wanted to do and my belief system and values, and that they were also making legitimate, great money. Um, I feel like that just flipped the switch for me. What about one of the things I want to talk about was, and you mentioned it briefly around, you know, kind of, you could have went and been an employee, worked for, you know, a, been a journalist and, and got employed and those type of things. You, you went the freelance route. Doing things against the grain kind of, is is that always kind of how you've been or was that something you <laughs> learned? Like, because generally, right, we're, we're taught, you know, get that safe corporate job, work up, you know, work up the corporate ladder. And yeah. then you can, you know, you have your 2.5 kids in your house and all that stuff. It's like, how, how did you learn, I guess, to think differently and to say, you know what, this is really a better path for me. What a good question. I don't feel like I'm like a rebel by nature. Like I'm not contrarian always. And, um, not that I'm not ever, I mean, I do kind of buck the status quo in a lot of things in my life if I think about it, but I think that I just have always, you know, I think I was raised by parents who told me that I could do anything I wanted to do. And so when I tried something and I didn't like it, I was just like, well, I don't have to do this. And I've always been inspired by seeing other people who did things differently and it worked for them. And like some people get, you know, jealous or feel like it's competition or um, have more negative reactions to it. But I've always just felt like, well, then why not me? And they could do it. So like I interned for a freelance writer when I was in college and she had this, you know, beautiful life and these great assignments. And I was like, wow, well, if she could do that, I, that's what I want to do. So when I quit my corporate job, I knew I didn't want to just go work for a, you know, a magazine and get like a real editor job. Um, and I think because I am incredibly, I think more so than being rebellious, I am incredibly bossy and I really know what I want and I don't like other people telling me what to do. And when I finally had like my first real job and people just told me what to do all the time, it didn't make sense to me. And I was like, there's better ways we could do this, but I wasn't allowed to flex that creative muscle. Um, yeah, I think it was much more just like, I need to be the boss. I need to be the one making the decisions. And my family has always joked that, you know, my thing is like, you can't tell me what to do. And so I think that's that gene just kind of always existed in me. And would you equate, you're, you're saying bossy. I also hear that as maybe confidence that mm. you could do whatever you put your mind to. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, it's confidence is a weird thing because I never think of myself as being confident. My dad always describes it as that I'm fearless. And okay. I feel like that's maybe a better way because I think yep. ultimately I think, well, what's the worst that could happen if I tried this thing and it didn't work out? And it's yep. like, well, I'm never going to get to the point. And this is totally from a place of privilege, which I acknowledge 100%. Like, I'm not going to try to start a blog and then go homeless over it. You know, like, I, it's just like, it may not work out. Okay. But at least I will know and I will have tried something. And like, I'm not afraid of something not working out, even though I am a perfectionist. I do like 
anybody, nobody likes failure. Um, but I think I just am like, I don't know, more fearless of just, well, let's just try it because I'd rather the worst than trying and failing is never knowing, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Is, is handling, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm assuming with the freelance work you did and, and maybe it's with the blogging or business or setting up, you know, who knows, even when you got into podcasting, like, you know, there's all these new endeavors that you never did. It, how did you handle the rejection that it was that the big thing? Like, were you able to just push things off very quickly? Were, were there any, no. I guess, action items that you did of like, okay, this, I got rejected. How do I sit with it? How do I move on? Yeah, no, it was really hard at first. And it's like a muscle you have to learn, how, you know, how, like you have to practice rejection, basically. I mean, even as a freelancer, I, w- I didn't get paid unless I pitched an idea to an editor and they agreed to let me write the story for them. Mm-hmm. So, so much of my job was just pitching ideas and asking people, can I write this for you? Can I write this for you? And it's a numbers game. I was told no a thousand times more than I was told yes. And when I was like first starting, you know, those first six months, like, this is horrible. I feel terrible about myself. Nobody wants me to work for them. Like nobody's, sometimes it's like, nobody's even responding to me. I can't even like get the respect of a response. And, you know, it was, it was really tough. And again, I'll go back to my dad. Um, I, he was in, you know, sales and it was a consultant for years too. And, um, and I talked to him about it and he was like, yeah, sales is a numbers game. It's no, 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 no. Yes. And like, you just got to get through the nose to get to a yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had some other coaches and mentors that just reminded me, like, it's not about you. It's so much is about right place, right time, right idea, right person. Like there's so many kind of things like the stars have to align for that. It's rarely like you suck. So you should just give up. And so I think once I really understood that, and then when I would get a rejection, I would apply that thinking like, okay, is this about me or is this just not the right time? Or is this just not the right person to talk, you know, whatever, then I could see it. it was like, oh, it's not about me. Um, so I think learning, it was definitely something I had to learn is to stop taking things personally um, and and to just get comfortable with no's and, and silence and rejection um, and just understand like that is literally part of the process. And if you are too afraid to hear no, you will never hear yes. If we're talking a little more, you, you kind of mentioned a different word there, but if I use the word serendipity, you know, sometimes that happens throughout our journey and, and may, sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Right. And Mm -hmm. and if I, and and correct me if I'm wrong, fact check me on this. I thought there was some sort of health um, issue challenge, something like that. But the reason I'm, I'm bringing that up is, did you have the initial idea for the blog? Was it going to be like holistic wellness? Was it something totally different? And then something happened? Can you share like that first early ideation phase on how you actually got to starting the blog and why it's the topics or the things that you talk about? Yes. You have really good questions. Gosh. Um, Yes. Okay. So I think that I have to kind of think back on this. I started the blog at the end of 2015. And so I started having health issues in 2014. And at the same time, um, I had moved to a new city. I was living in DC and we moved to Atlanta and my, the Atlanta food scene and media scene was very different from what I was used to in DC and, and not in a good way, at least for me. Um, my career wasn't 
thriving as much as it was when we were in DC. So I was kind of struggling with that. I was feeling a little burnt out on journalism. And I remember thinking like, God, I kind of want to do something else, but I, I don't really know what else there is. Like, I don't want to open a restaurant. I don't want to, um, you know, some people are like, why don't you go into PR? Like, you'll just be on the other side of journalism. And, you know, that didn't feel quite right to me either. So it's kind of like exploring some different career paths. Like what else could I do that wouldn't require me to go work for somebody else? And as I was exploring those things, I was having these health issues and, And I was learning more about just blogging and like seeing again, like I had stumbled across these income reports and was just really blown away by what people were able to do. And it just kind of felt like this natural, like, well, I'm a writer, blogging is writing. I want more creative control. I want more money. I can get both of those things if I can create a successful blog. Um, And so then I think it was just a matter of like, all right, well, what am I going to blog about? And I think that the health issues I was having, I was seeing a lot of different kinds of doctors and healthcare practitioners. And a common theme was like, you know, that diet was going to really impact my health. Um, And I didn't want to diet. I was like, I'm a food writer. I'm not, I can't eat bland, you know, broccoli and steamed chicken or whatever. Like that's terrible. So I needed to find this way that I could eat in a really healthfully like supportive way for the conditions that I was having. Um, but also like still honor that I'm a food lover and that I need to eat delicious food. And, um, so that kind of just started feeling like maybe that's what the blog is about is how to strike that balance of good and good for you. Um, and so, Like anything, I mean, and I tell this to so many of my students now because they're like, well, I don't know, maybe I want to write about this or maybe I should do that. And I'm like, you just get started because once you start, you'll see like what feels good. You'll see what is resonating with other people. You'll see what you enjoy doing and what's like, oh, maybe I thought I wanted to write a lot about that, but two posts later, I don't really have anything else to say on the topic or something. And so I just kind of got started with that general premise of, good and good for you and knowing it was going to be food, but also wellness and then, and kind of sharing some of my health journey. Um, yeah, so it was, I do think it was very serendipitous, like everything that was happening and a good example of things happening for you and not to you, because at the time it felt like, why am I having all these, you know, career issues and why is my health suffering and all this stuff? And then it really is like the, what was, was the impetus for what became an even better job than the one I had and a better lifestyle. And, you know, and then that led to something else. And so it did feel like it was meant to be. And and the the health issues you're having and stuff, did that start to get cleared up when you started going down this path and learning more about those type of things? So it, it helped your life, obviously. Yes, it helped my life a lot. But one of the things that I have learned now in hindsight is that it wasn't so much about the food, it was about the stress. Mm-hmm. And I was so stressed about what was happening in my career and moving to this new city. And I got married that year and we bought a house and they were like, you know, good things, but they're also kind of stressful experiences like planning a wedding and getting your first mortgage. And so, um, and just being kind of unhappy and where I was in my career at that point. And I think then finding that outlet and, um, and reducing that stress otherwise, 
you know, that made more of a difference than anything else. So I think if you're struggling with health issues, not always, but a lot of times I've found that like, if you reduce your stress, that a lot of things can go away and, um, and you don't have to give up all these foods and go on crazy diets and yeah, all of that. What were some of them, the early mechanics, if I use that word of like, I'm assuming you knew minimal to nothing about blogging, right? You weren't doing, you didn't even like bloggers, you said, at some <laughs> period of time. What were, what were some of the early um, actions you took? What, like, how, one of the things I always, and I struggled with this, even starting, I remember starting the podcast a handful of years ago, is like, I'm on episode, you know, I was on episode one, whatever, in 2017. And I'm like, you see all these other, you know, you always see the people ahead in the race and you think you have yeah. to compare to them. Yeah. How did you get over that in terms of like, nope, I'm here, this is day one, but here's how I'm going to progress forward. Were there a few things you did early on to position yourself for early success? Well, I think one thing was that I treated it like a business from day one. It was never like, I'm going to start this hobby and we'll see what happens. Like it was, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to see if I can actually turn it into something profitable that will pay my bills. Um, And it was, you know, of course it was really hard and there was a lot of ups and downs in there where I did have those like comparisonitis moments or feelings of like, this is so slow. I need, you know, something to happen sooner. I'm very impatient. Um, So I mean, I think one of the things was just giving myself that permission to be a beginner and to say, like, you are new at this. You're not going to come in and in your second month make $30,000. Like, that's, it's just not going to happen. So take it off the table, but know that that's the goal. And, and I would stair step my goals instead. So it would just be like this month, I just need to make my first $100. And from there we'll go up. And, you know, it's something I still have to remind myself with now, because even when you're setting bigger goals and you're talking about, I want to make a million dollars or whatever, it's like, well, you you don't go from making $10,000 a month to $83,000 a month. Like you have to work your way up to it. And so I think just taking things truly like one step at a time, instead of like, if you look at the big picture and it's so overwhelming. And if Mm -hmm. you, that expression of like, there's one way, only one way to eat an elephant and it's one bite at a time. And I feel like that is definitely what helped me along that path. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with that, that chunking out kind of small bites. And, and maybe, you know, I, I always like that you might disagree or do it differently. I think about like, even like goals, like if, if you start looking more than a year out, it starts to get really fuzzy because who knows, like an opportunity right. may come up in three months and that takes you on a little different curve, you know? Yeah. So I kind of think of, yeah, having those, you know, daily, weekly, monthly goals, and maybe you have that year out. I don't know how you think of goal setting um, in that yeah. regard. Yeah, I mean, I kind of set, I definitely set monthly and an annual goal every year, but, and then I've started like adding, you know, three and 10 year goals, but those are just sort of like big picture dreams. They're not super specific. And, you know, it depends on what phase of your life you're in too, but like I'm 34 this month. And so I feel like there's been so much that comes up at this stage where it's like, we had kids and that throws a whole new wrench in things. And, um, you know, you're in this kind of like pivotal moment in your career and trying to figure out like, is what I've been doing what I want to do for the long run? Or, um, you know, you're buying houses, you're maybe moving cities. There's things that are 
just outside of your control and part of that, like between the ages of like 20 and 50, where I feel like things are just kind of, you know, all over the place and really unexpected. You can't plan for, you can't plan for everything. So yeah, even, even sometimes setting an annual goal is like yesterday, literally September 1st was yesterday. And I'm, I have my annual goal and then I'm looking at the rest of the year and I'm like, I need to adjust this because we've got four months left of the year. And what I thought in January is just not what ended up happening. So let's make let's make a change. They're all arbitrary anyway. Like we're, we're just saying, yeah, this right. sounds good. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, I'm actually curious because you do publish your income reports and, and talk about that. You, it, it was, if I have this right, 2016, I could be wrong on this fact check me. So you did $6,500. Oh <laughs> yeah. That was my first year what, vlogging. Yeah. Well, was that, so let me, I'm just curious because again, where your head was at, was that like we were like, oh my God, I made $6,500. Or it was like, geez, I no. only made six. Where were, where were you at on the? My like, head was, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm a three, I'm a high achiever. I put a lot of my self-worth in my accomplishments and I really struggled with like, well, $6,500, that's like two months rent. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. That's not going to pay my bills. I can't live on this. Um, I felt terrible about myself. But I, some of the mentors that I had kept saying, like, put in the work and around that one and a half, one to two year mark, basically, like it, there's a snowball effect that happens and it will start paying off. Like, but almost everybody gives up in that first year. And that's why there's so many failed businesses and failed blogs and everything. So I just was like, I'm going to keep going. I, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. I just needed the money to start showing up. So 2016 was $6,500. I was really down on myself, but decided to keep going. And year two, 2017 was $75,000. It was totally true that like exponential growth that happens, you just have to kind of get that snowball started. Do you think it was the consistent movement forward or was there anything else you tweaked and tried to do that you Mm -hmm. think helped you know, change the pace to get up to that number. And then I think what was a double 150? It was the next year after yep. that. So you kept obviously moving. Do you remember? I, I guess I'll ask, well, I'm going to, I already asked a question. I'm going to stop myself and I'll ask another <laughs> one. You can answer it how you want. Do you remember a moment where it was like, okay, this is clicking? Yeah. Maybe it was something certain that something that happened. You're like, ah, okay, I'm onto something. Anything yes. you'd share? Yeah, the couple moments are coming to mind. So the first one is at the end of 2016, I was barely making any money and I was totally overwhelmed because I was trying to do all the different things of like, okay, I need to be on Instagram. I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on Pinterest. I need to be doing SEO. I need to be posting regular content. I got to email my, you know, like there were so many things. It was just me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I decided at the end of that year, I'm going to keep going, but I'm only focusing on one thing. I'm going to let all the social media go. I'm just going to focus on producing really high quality content that is optimized for SEO. And that's it. I'm going to put all of my energy there and I'm going to take the free time that that frees up to just like take care of myself because I was so burned out and just stressed and, you know, And literally within like three months, it went from making like a couple hundred dollars a month to a couple thousand dollars a month. And I feel like that focus and that like essentialism of just focusing on one thing and putting your energy there was a huge needle mover for me. 
And fortunately has continued to be the case where I've realized like you really don't need social media for anything if you have a blog because you have this longevity and this SEO, um, you know, so that you're getting organic traffic every day without having to show up again and again and again every single day. So that was really um, a good lesson. And then the next year, so I made, I made $75,000 that year. And one of the things I really focused on was working with brands. And so, you know, a lot of bloggers or influencers partner with brands and do sponsored content. And that helped me get to that 75,000. But after I did that, I realized I don't really like doing this so much and it's not scalable. Like I only get paid if I do a campaign with them. And then I only get paid once on it. And so I had started playing around with affiliate marketing and that was showing me that it was much more passive and scalable. And so in 2018, I shifted my focus again and said, all right, instead of sponsors, I'm going to focus on affiliates. And then that's when my revenue doubled and I was working way less. And actually in 2018, I had my first baby and even took a four month maternity leave Mm -hmm. and still doubled my income during that time. And it was because of that focus. But again, like I really was kind of focusing on like one thing at a time. Mm. Um, then 2019, I decided to launch a course because at that point now I was like, well, I'm making six figures for my blog. Now people are asking me, how are you doing this? So I created a course called the six figure blog Academy to teach people how to do it and put, put you know, kind of all my efforts into the course stuff. And so then, um, we doubled our revenue again. And it's just kind of like every year we keep kind of on that double pace, um, so far, knock on wood. And, um, and I think it's because like each year I kind of pick one thing to focus on and I'm always like narrowing in on what's the most passive and scalable thing I could do. Yeah. And I like that approach. I mean, I I like the hyper-focus and, and all of a sudden new things open up potentially, you know, when you're actually, I think more focused versus the, the, the spreading, uh, wide, yeah. So on that though, and, and even with some stuff, you know, I saw what you're doing, obviously the podcast and some other programs with uh, the success with soul, I, I, this transition you continually have, like if we, if we paint the, if there's like a graph of like where you were a few years ago, and then obviously that was blogging, then you went to the coaching and now it's even deeper than that. Mm-hmm. How do you make those decisions? Is it just kind of, it feels right. Is there some sort of analysis you do to like, Hey, I'm going to start this, this, this seems like where I want to go. Is it based on maybe now you have more purpose to help? Like, I know you're working with a lot of women to help them kind of expand their, their businesses and stuff. So just share a little with me. How do you, how do you go through those decision-making processes for, for these different events, the different programs that you start? Yeah. Another great question. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I'm a chronic overthinker, so I could think myself in circles about anything and like get into that analysis paralysis where I don't make any decisions. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I could do this. I could do that. So sometimes it's just like literally just like point and pick something. And um, I mean, obviously there's some thought and strategy that goes into it, but ultimately it's sort of just like, well, what feels right? What feels best? And I found that a lot of times when I chase like what feels good and what um, is going to light me up, that that's where, um, you know, the results end up lying and then you're happier in the process. Um, not every decision has been the right decision for sure. And sometimes I've had to pivot and sometimes, you know, things do get busier and like, 
now I have a team of people that I work with and that brings its own, like, that's a whole nother job is just like managing people and, you know, hiring and onboarding and growing a team and all the HR and everything that goes along with that. Um, and so sometimes then that kind of takes away my focus. So we'll have periods where I'll be like, all right, this summer, we're not really doing anything new. We're just like getting the team together. And, um, yeah, so mostly it's chasing what feels good after doing a lot of thinking and analyzing. Like I do, I'm a definite learning junkie. And so I am constantly like reading books and going to conferences and taking courses and stuff. And so a lot of times it's, oh, I learned this from this thing and that feels like a good next place to go. Um and I think the other thing I would say is not doing something just because other people are doing it. Like if it doesn't feel right, like really trusting your gut on things. I know in 20, what year are we in? 2020, I think I, my plan was to launch a membership and like I was following Stu McLaren and doing a lot of the, like learning more about memberships. And I felt like that was what I should do, but I kept hesitating to actually do it because there was just something about it that wasn't clicking with me. And it's not because memberships are bad. It just wasn't like for me, I think. And um, so I waited and I'm like, I'm not going to make a decision yet. I'm you know, going to keep thinking and, and learning and taking some other step in and see if something else feels better. And just kind of following like your intuition on things. I got served a Facebook ad for a conference that was happening, just a virtual conference. Mm -hmm. And um, I recognized one of the speakers. I didn't know anybody else. I didn't even really know who the person that was hosting the conference was. And I was just like, oh, I like them. It was like 40 bucks. Sure, I'll, I'll go to this thing. And as soon, like the first session, I'm like, oh, this is why I didn't want to do a membership because actually what I want to do is much higher touch. It's much more like going deeper with your people than just going wider. And I think that is what was missing from the membership aspect for me. And so then, but once I like learned about this, then I joined this, you know, big mastermind program to learn more about this method. And then we launched the Successful Soul Incubator earlier this year. And that was you know, it took a longer than I wanted to because I wanted to launch it like last summer as a membership and just had to kind of trust what I was, what was coming up for me. And what's the deeper program? Like if someone were to go and check it out or sign up or stuff, what, what can they expect out of that program, the incubator? Yeah. So it's kind of like part course, part mastermind, part, um, like part community. Um, yeah. So there's, uh, there's, part coaching. I'm sorry. I was losing my train of thought there. I'm like, what was the other thing I was going to say? So there is a course you it's, it's this hybrid program. There is a course and I've done several other courses and I really enjoy them. And it's great for just like, this is the strategy. Here's how you learn the things, you know, and you can reference it at any time, go at your own pace, et cetera. But what I felt like was missing from some of those courses is that like support and that access to the coaches and to like really having somewhere you can ask questions and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So we offer weekly group coaching calls, mm -hmm. um, for that. And there's other, you know, bits and pieces that where there's more one-on-one -on -one support and they're getting more of that coaching. And then it's this mastermind because it's, you know, a smaller group and you really get to know the other people that are in the group with you. And so we don't do it in cohorts, but, 
um, you get that kind of mastermind feel of meeting with the same people every week and really getting to know them Mm -hmm. and bouncing ideas off of each other, you know, asking questions, getting support from that community as well. Um, so it's this hybrid program and, um, it definitely allows me to go deeper with people. Whereas a course is amazing, but that's, I think more where you're going wider and just trying to have more, uh, wider impact, which is amazing. And I, I love being able to do both. Well, so let me ask you in this, let's go on. There are two different paths. I'm going to start off with this first one. So someone that's getting started today, they have, you know, they're, they're, you you know, a handful of years ago, like, I have this idea, I'd like to do it, I want to get started, I'm not sure. Is there any anything you've learned across your journey, um, in terms of getting started, maybe it's a quote you live by, it could be a a life lesson you learned, anything to give them that spark uh, to get started? Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And I feel like that's what I end up thinking to myself a lot and telling a lot of my students and just people in my audience who are wanting to get started, but they're just not sure. And I just think if you just believe that you can do it, that you see, okay, Kate's done it. Her students have done it. I could do it too. You will do it. But if you go into anything and you're like, I just don't know, I don't really think I can do this. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in the idea, whatever it is it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy and and you won't. So I think getting in that mindset first and really deciding to believe in yourself, despite any imposter syndrome feelings that are coming up and, you know, all of that is honestly like one of the biggest indicators of your success, I think. And how important for you, you mentioned, you know, some mentors, I'm sure maybe it was your husband, other folks, how important was having that support system in place to maybe lean on them to say, Hey, I'm not feeling this. I'm I'm down. What are your thoughts? Did did you have that to to work with as well? Yes, and that's one of my best pieces of advice for people too is like get that support. If you don't if, when I don't know how to do something, I find somebody who's done it and then I learn from them. And now, you know, with the beauty of online education and the internet and everything like everybody's got a course, everybody's got a pro, like you can learn anything you want to learn. So pick a trusted mentor and just go, go all in with them and and learn from them. And so I do that for any time I need to learn something. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes more of the strategy piece, but then, um, like you mentioned my husband or friends and family, and I feel like having that just support for the times when you're just like, I just need to cry to somebody because I'm so down or this, this is so hard or whatever, you know, is so important. I think entrepreneurship is, so um, worth it, but it is really hard. And it is just constant personal development. It's amazing, like what kind of inner gunk just comes up at every stage along the way. So in addition to like having a strategy mentor and a group of people, you know, my husband is really great at being like a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen, but he also is not in like, he doesn't know how to strategize with me, like what to do. So I think having both and then also honestly having a therapist, because like I said, there's just so much stuff that comes up and it's like, you got to have somebody to talk through it with. What about, so if I go the other angle, let's say someone has gotten started there, maybe whether they're a month, a year, whatever in, and they feel stuck, anything you would share to kind of get them out might be similar advice to to this person getting started, but anything else you've thought about that's maybe been helpful to get you over the hump uh, to keep moving forward? 
Well, I always think about the Einstein quote of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I find that when we're stuck, it's because we're beating our head against the wall, doing the same thing and being like, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Just like try something else. Um, So not being afraid to pivot, to make some changes, to try a new strategy. Um, Just because something worked for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. You know, like we're all different. So finding what feels right to you and just not being afraid to try new things. Like if you want something different, you have to do something different. Hmm. All right. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here because I'm just now I'm always curious where people are thinking what the you know, because because if we talked, you know, two years ago, would you what you're doing today with the success was sold or those type of things? Would you even know that was even in existence? So my question is, if you and I if I have you back on the podcast in two years, what would you hope to have achieved? Like what, what's the next two years you have some of those mm. big visions you said, are you willing to share any of those or anything that you're hopeful for, for, for the future? Yeah. I think one of the things that has come up for me a lot in the last couple of years is the kind of my why and really, um, wanting to not just like empower women, but to really, um, help women create a, a career that serves them. And I think it's so hard for us in in a lot of ways because we're still often, you know, responsible for childcare and even elderly parent care and, um, you know, the help running a household and all of those things. And it can be really hard to actually like move forward in your career. And, so that's become such a why for me. And, and it's partly what I want to do in terms of like the clients I want to work with and how I want to like the impact I want to have from that perspective. But it's also become more about creating jobs for women myself. So not just teaching like women to become entrepreneurs, but for those who maybe don't, but they want to work for a company that they really align with their values and that they can get that lifestyle that allows them to take their kids to doctor's appointments and be at, you know, soccer games and have flexible schedules and, and all of that. So I think my vision now is more including like, yes, I want to impact like 10,000 women before I die from, um, you know, my programs and stuff. But then I also want to, um, in two years, maybe I want to have, you know, 10 or 15 women working with me that I'm able to give them that kind of lifestyle as an employee. Wow, that's awesome. What's so cool is, and again, this whole part of what I, you know, about me helping navigate people um, and kind of think about happiness. I mentioned that right at the beginning. It just from meeting you for what, you know, 45 minutes or so, it seems like, you know, you went from someone you mentioned when you were doing freelance writing, you were kind of beating your head like you're like, I'm, I've done this, I'm kind of bored with it and whatever, to someone that's found a purpose. You know, and you kind of have that North Star that you at least you have the compass, you know, in the right direction. So it's really refreshing to uh, to hear that and kind of see that there's a vision out there for you. So yeah. I appreciate you kind of sharing that and, and doing what you're doing. Where can if everyone want to say hello to you online? Where's the best spot? Yeah. So um, my website's katecordsmeyer.com. And if you go to katecordsmeyer.com slash Brian, then you can get um, a free 99 step roadmap to profitable blogging if you're interested in learning more about maybe what blogging could do for you. 
Um, and let's see, I, I don't love social media, like I mentioned, but of course I am on the platform. So I'm at Kate Cordsmeyer everywhere. And if you're a podcast uh, lover, which I assume you are listening to this, then my podcast is called success with soul. And you can come listen to us on any player that you listen to. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been tremendous. I, I really, you know, I, Obviously, I've done a lot of these podcasts. The, the ones that seem like they go the best are the ones that flow very well back and forth. This is a really good dialogue, really yeah. insightful uh, answer. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story with everyone. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things to get you going a little bit further on your journey, feel free to head over to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week, whether it's a new podcast I listen to, or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful, or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one to five-minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.